Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Father, thank you so much for the blessing that you have given to us today to love you and to worship you and to serve you. We ask you to lead us and guide us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, this is a shepherd's service, and so we are not talking about um, prosperity. What do you think? Guidance, man. We are here to flow as shepherds. Amen. Amen. Right. So for a few minutes, I just want to share with you um, levels of shepherding anointing. Now, many times, um, what we don't realize is like, is that in everything we do, there are levels. All right? And many times God wants to give us the opportunity to flow in the highest level amen of anything that you do if you are a helper you're working in the helps anointing or the helps gift there is a higher level where your helping abilities are so great that the person you are helping does not at all think about what you are doing and there are levels where you are helping, but he always has to be involved. So, in the same thing with the um, anointing, right, there are levels. And um, it's important to understand these levels so that we are not deceived. Especially when we are nothing, then we think we are something. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you think you are something when you are actually not there then you lose the drive to get the real one what do you think so it's important for you to learn or find out where you are and then you can uh, quickly go to where you need to be Amen. amen those of you who've not traveled abroad before and you've not been to certain airports before you may be at an airport and the plane that you are going to catch will also be at the airport but because you think you are at the airport you may not realize that it can take you about 45 minutes to get to where the, that airplane is because some of the airports are so large and so vast that it is a very long journey to the next aeroplane. Are you listening to me? So you, you just have a mind that I'm there, but you are not there at all. You need to walk fast. Sometimes you even have to catch a train. Do you understand? And you need to go through security checks, different things, before you start getting near to where the plane is. It has happened to me a few times. And so, even if I have a certain amount of time to catch a plane, I don't feel comfortable until I can see that this is the plane that I'm going on, and I am the one standing here. And when I pass through here, I'm in the plane. Because I've seen one before. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, in life... And the ministry sometimes you think I'm a shepherd but actually all that you have is a human appointment and then what you have is a momentum of a ministry which you have joined you see when you join a boat you are not the one making the boat go if it was already going did you know that if there are 12 people in a canoe and they're all paddling right and you are swimming in the sea 
and they come and they pick you and add you into the boat. The boat was moving before you came and will continue to move. And if they throw you out, you will still continue to move. So when you get somewhere and say, I have accomplished a journey, and I mean, I now know how to cross the ocean, and there are certain things I've crossed one before and so on. No, you've been picked onto a moving canoe and given a lift. So many people who say they are shepherds are actually getting a lift. Yeah. On an existing moving boat. And if you try to start a boat, you will now find the cost of a canoe. How much to buy one? That will be step one. Huh? Yeah. And how to move it from the place that they've made it to the sea. It's another major thing. And then when it is on the sand, how to move it from the sand to the water. And then when it's in the water, how to move it from the place where the waves come, which are always bringing it this way, to pass through all those waves to the place where the wave will not be bringing it. Before you get to the sea, then you know that you've accomplished something. And then you meet somebody who you will give a lift, and when he gets up, he will also be boasting. And he will not be able to say that he's just joined something that was already moving. Are you listening to me? So, I want us to learn and realize that God has different levels. Even when you are anointed, there are levels of the anointing. Do you see Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 9. This verse shows us that there are portions in the first place. Everybody say portions. And then you can have twice as much as somebody has. So that means that even for pastors... And shepherds, you can have twice as much as somebody else. So that means you could even be sitting by somebody. You could be appointed on the same day. But this person has twice as much of the anointing as somebody else. Or somebody could be appointed after you. But because of certain things that the person is doing or driving towards, that person has a larger portion or a double portion of even what you have but maybe you say i was appointed i was appointed in 87 and this was saying i was appointed in 92. you understand what you are arguing about are human appointments you understand but really anointed people do not get frustrated about i was appointed 92 i was appointed 95 i was appointed 97 i'm a senior associate i'm a senior pastor i'm an associate assistant i'm a resident pastor it's of no consequence what you really need to go for is the real thing amen you see in ghana we love ceremonies too much that is why we we rather help dead people if you die we paint your house if you die we'll spend money on you if you die we'll come to you if we die if you die we'll bring you gifts if you die we'll get a wreath for you I prefer you to give me there's somebody who gives me flowers in my office every week when she hears one day that i'm dead she shouldn't bother to bring any wreath. she has brought a thousand wreaths and she has blessed me with a thousand flowers and sometimes i i see the flower and i lift up my hand and i say lord bless her we love ceremonial things rather than real things that's why we wait for someone to die and you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this but the real thing you don't want to do or you don't understand the message so don't be so concerned sometimes you see the chiefs and the people you know this everybody's wearing whatever and you'll never see a chief using his powers to get land properly to maybe build a university for his people just doing their ceremonial activities you wonder we love the festival this that whatever and our people are poor there's no university there's no school nothing hmm? well, you understand what i'm saying and you see some people giving themselves titles 
I heard somebody was calling, they call himself King Solomon. I said, King Solomon, do you know what King Solomon did? King Solomon, he built, Bible, Bible says Solomon, he built temples, houses. He said, I got me gardens. I got, I made me gardens. I made me orchards and vineyards and I built and this, his own house. He used seven years to build a house. You have called yourself King Solomon. You have to be very careful about who you are comparing yourself with. <laughs> no, we love the ceremonial rather than the real. And it's the same thing with the pastoral. We love the appointments. We want to call your relatives. Because I, tell me, they are going to appoint me as a pastor on Sunday. So come and see me. <laughs> oh, what you must be concerned about. Do you understand? It's if you are able to do something that really shows that you are really a pastor. But not that your pastor has mistakenly appointed you as a pastor. Why don't we want real things? So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to be really concerned about the level, by the time we finish this meeting, the level of shepherdorial anointing that you are on. Some are on course 90, which is zero. Some are in the first level. Some are in the second level. Some are in the third level. But there's a level for everybody. Amen. The highest level is the level that Jesus operated in. The Bible says, speaking of Jesus, for him, for he whom God hath sent, speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure upon or unto him. God gives Jesus Christ the Spirit not by measure. He didn't measure it. He just gave him everything. What do you think? If you go to somebody's house and he starts to measure the rice for you, he starts to measure the, 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 the meat, he starts to measure, and he's measuring, measuring. When you go abroad in Europe, they like measuring meat, measuring something that you are buying. See, they've measured it. But in Ghana, they'll cut it for you. See, it's 20,000. From here to here, it's 20,000. But they like measuring too much. So sometimes it's painful because it looks small, but it's heavy. But Jesus, when he was being anointed, no measures. Do we bring three portions, four portions, two portions? No measure. All. Receive all. Amen. Amen. So the highest level you can operate is, is to be like Jesus. And so we must all strive to study Jesus Christ and see how, in, before we die, how far we can get. Because our standard is Jesus Christ. Amen. Now somebody will say, how can you as a shepherd or a pastor or somebody who wants to become a shepherd how can you know what level you are on the verse i just read was john 3 verse 34 you can know because the bible says for you see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called amen now this verse is saying for you see your calling so that means you can see your calling. And then what he was really saying was, you can see something about your calling. That there are not many wise people included in this calling. There are not many rich people included in this calling. There are not many noble people included in this calling. You can see something about the calling by just looking around at physical things. Because you see whether somebody is noble, whether somebody is rich, whether somebody is a mighty man, by looking at physical things. What you see physically, what you, what you really see. So I can actually look at me and know something or a lot about my calling by looking at how things are. And through looking at how things are, God has shown me, therefore you see this characteristic of your calling. And when you can see that this is how the calling is, you don't struggle to do things that are not your calling. For instance, when you can see that not many wise men are called, and not many noble are called, then you stop struggling to get wise men and stop struggling over noble men or stop struggling to get the owners of Nayak or the owners of uh, PGs or the owners of uh, 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 Benjilo or the owners of uh, where? Leonard Shoes or the owners of uh, White Chapel to be in your church because you can see your calling that not many of this kind, not many of this kind, not many of this kind. For instance, one of the things in, about Lighthouse, because there are not many, if you like, so old people. It's mo a lot of young people all over. Young people seem to like our church. Do you understand? Or even when you are old, young-hearted. 
young hearted because some people are not old but they are old hearted are you listening to me yeah because our church is i mean you find yourself being driven out look you can do this do that come on anakazo get up come on thursday come on tuesday do this do that if you are not feeling young if you are not feeling young you 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 may not enjoy this if you look on television and you see certain people's churches you will see there are much more grown-ups and meaty grown-ups in the church than our church do you understand so that's look at your calling look at this that's how the people are don't struggle don't struggle this is the best people that go my people university students ally people this is certain i mean those are the people they seem to be happy in the church do you understand and i mean we should be happy how the messages are you can't blame the elderly people you know if they they don't you cannot easily feel settled because sometimes some elderly people they just want to prepare themselves for death this my church i'll be to be very noble decent when i die here i'll be buried in the church and so on you know so ladies and gentlemen don't struggle so sometimes sometimes i like for for myself you know i i prefer preaching to shepherds to pastors and to people who want to work for god than to preach on sunday morning service because sometimes when i see the sunday morning people say hey these people do they love god why have they come to church do you understand what i'm saying and when i get people who are ready to work for god then myself comes you understand and i can talk to the people from my heart and say what i want to say and even amongst the people who went to work for god there are those who are also there are there are levels in that one and probably if you want to really hear me preaching the best you have to listen to when i was talking to those people because that's probably when i will say what i'm really thinking by a lot of time when we are preaching you have to somebody say i choose my words <laughs> and i say something i don't say some how many have noticed that i choose my words i don't say sometimes are you people are bad <laughs> amen so ladies and gentlemen you can see some of you you see you are not shepherdorial you understand you are not shepherdorial you are you are serious you are committed but you are not shepherdorial or you, you don't want to learn it but i will say more you don't want to learn because to be a shepherd eh, you have to have a heart to stomach everything you understand and you have to come out of selfishness to be a shepherd you have to care for people who don't are not related to you one day i saw a certain brother who was a pastor all his members were his family relatives so one day i said to him, look the church is not a family something you understand so i had to take him step by step and show this you can you cannot build a church based on your relatives everybody in the church and i mean his where he was doing the work what he was calling the work of god what is well until this until this cousin this cousin that then he, he would tell me this is a cousin this is a cousin this is an auntie this and it's like his ministry is to go to the relatives and be ministering to us hello it's a family church <laughs> there, there is more to the ministry you you have to reach to people who are not related to you at all and you love them as though they are related to as though they were born in the same house with you that is what it means to to be a pastor and that's what it means to be a shepherd and some of us the reason why we are not showing shepherdorials and because even though you may be a prophet you have to learn pastoral because if you are a, a specialist doctor you have to learn the general one first then you go and specialize but to preach to teach and to love is not a special thing everybody must know how to preach everybody must know how to teach everybody must know how to love and if you don't love you cannot even be a prophet because when god reveals something to you about somebody the way you will even say it to the person and call the person say come to the front god has revealed to me about you yesterday night you are, you say you are what mrs what <laughs> you are mrs what okay yesterday by 9 p.m i saw you with uh so so and so and you are somebody's wife so it, then the husband is also there and the others two are also there and you have revealed to the relatives and to everybody 
that this is what she's doing. Do you understand? And, 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 and one day one brother was saying, so he was very bad in those days. I remember one lady was going to church. This, she had one hair cloth, her mama, everything. She was going to church before she went to church. And this, this guy said, look, I'm going to this house, this madam. I'm going to sleep with her and come. I grown up with a young boy and a grown up lady. He said, come and watch it. So he came to watch it. He did it after the woman wore her mama, everything, straight to church. It was evening service. And she wore her dress and she was going fully. She's the full member, everything, following with her cloth, everything she's going. So if you have a word of knowledge about such a person in the church, it, it will not be easy at all. Guidance man. Guidance man. You have to know how to say it. And if you don't have love for the woman, for the man, for this, for that, you can support the whole church. So to preach, to teach, and to love, it's not a special gift. You have to be able to love. And you have to be able to come out of selfishness, out of yourself. Amen. That's what it means to be a shepherd. You have to care for somebody. Even when you don't have the answer yourself, you have to care. A preacher is somebody who doesn't have things, but he is helping others to have things. A preacher is somebody with problems who is helping others with problems. A preacher is somebody who doesn't have solutions for some things and is trying to find solutions when he himself does not have solutions. That's what a preacher is. A preacher is not a perfect person. A preacher is somebody who is also struggling and is trying to help other strugglers. So he's the leading struggler. That's basically what he is, the leading struggler. We are all struggling in the water. But it's like you are two inches ahead. That's all. Are you listening to me? So ladies and gentlemen, it's very, very, very important. And when the shepherding anointing is upon you, you will start to walk in the things that you need to walk in. Preaching, teaching, and loving. And when you have passed preaching, teaching, and loving, now preaching, teaching, and loving can be used for anything. It can be used to become a pastor. Preaching, teaching, and loving can be used for evangelism. Because if you don't love the people, God cannot call you to send you to people you don't care for. You won't even go. He can send you to be an apostle to start churches at remote places because you preach, you teach, and you love the remote places and the people in the remote. Many times, I felt something here. It's like a love for Ghana and for Ghanaians. I wouldn't even say Ghana, for Ghanaians. I don't know. I, I have not felt it for any, any nation or any nationality that way. And sometimes I, 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 I mean, when I think of the Father, maybe God will bless this church that will be able to go to the villages and the towns of Ghana, which are forgotten ghosts most of the time. There's a certain feeling because it's one of the most difficult. You see, it may be easier for me to go from here to South Africa than for me to go from here to Doma Hinkru to go and start a church there. Yeah. Because to go to Domai Crow, if I leave in the morning, I will get there in the evening. If I leave in the morning to South Africa, I will get there in the evening. Same thing. And I may be in more danger for many hours before I get to Domai Crow, or to Tamale, or to Walewale, or to Damongo. There is a feeling that I have. You see, that feeling is where Paul said that, you know, Paul was talking about his people. He said, I wish I myself were a curse for my people's sake. I wish somehow they would. And God didn't even send him to his people. He sent him to others, but he had that feeling. If you don't have love, you cannot work for God. And when I talk about I'm talking, you have to love people. If you love anything else, I'm telling you, if not understood, you have to care. You have to care. Amen. Amen. And you have to love. Even when you are a student and you are helping other students. Do you understand? When I was a student minister, I was a student, but I was a minister. And I was a student and they, we were all struggling to pass exams and I was preaching at the same time. And I was struggling with them in the life of a student and I was preaching as a student. And that is what it is always. Now I'm in real life. I'm also in life, working, living, driving, buying petrol, marrying, having children, whatever. And I'm also struggling in it and I'm leading people who are also struggling in the same life. But it's not that I come from heaven. And then I come and say, that says the Lord. Actually, you can really be deceived by a man of God when he comes to minister, especially a visiting minister. When a visitor aura is with him. 
And you see that this guy is, is really blessed. One day, I saw a certain man of God. He came to preach at a very large program. Hey, first of all, the preaching. You see, he preached like Angel Gabriel. He said, he said, I've come tonight to tell you from the presence of God what is happening, what is about to happen here. It was not a simple thing. And he's famous. He's a very famous man of God. His suit was shining. I don't have any such suit. Will you buy one for me? <laughs> shiny suit with shiny shoes. And he has a very large ministry with hundreds of churches. And he's especially into, I mean, miraculous things. And I was, I just said, I want to be at the service. So he was, he was preaching. Wow. I don't want to mention his name because you may know him. Powerful. After the service, the next day, I said, oh, brother so-and-so is going to preach the next night. He said, oh, his child is critically ill, dying somewhere. So, in fact, he has even asked that the church should pray for him because the child was dying. Now, he had got in mind and his child was dying, almost dead. And because of that, he was living. That he had just come just for one night and he was going. And I said, wow. It is when you get nearer that you will see that the, uh, the man of God who is preaching is also sometimes experiencing top three. Do you know top three seniors? <laughs> top three, sometimes top two, sometimes top five, sometimes top ten seniors. He's experiencing it. And when he preaches, you would think that he's from heaven direct. That's what a preacher is. A preacher is somebody who says, I don't care. Satan will say, you are not qualified. You say, shut up, Satan. I told you about my friend last week. I was walking with him in London at a tube station. We were just walking together quietly. And and suddenly, he shouted, Satan, shut up! I said, why? What is it? He said, Satan was talking to me about something. So I had to shut him up immediately. How many have been walking on the road and said the devil is talking to you? He's telling you, you, shepherds have come and you've also come. You are a demon in the midst of shepherds. Will you go home right now? Will you go home right now? What will you say to that? Satan, shut up! Be quiet, don't speak. And the devil will tell you, you, you too, you too, you've come. They are calling holy people, you are coming. They are calling good people, you are also coming. You should go when they are calling devils, not holy people. Satan, shut up. That's what Jesus said when Peter was telling him. So he said, Satan, Satan, I've seen you. I have seen you. Shut up. Get behind me. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. So you need to come out with confidence. I remember John Austin. You may see his son on television sometimes. Very, very large chair. One day he was giving a testimony about how he was, I mean, they were talking. His wife had cancer. How they struggled and somehow she was healed about how one of his daughters couldn't have a child and he had to talk with her and talk with her and encourage and talk it was a very difficult time for him and went into so many other things and then when he died then he said oh he was struggling with diabetes so he's been struggling with diabetes and this and that and that all along and when he comes his first thing he will lift up his bible and see everybody say this is my bible i can do what it says i can do I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. This is my Bible. Today I'll be taught from the word of God. Sunday after Sunday. Sunday after Sunday. Hey. And you never know that a shepherd is just a struggler. Struggling along in this life. Just like you are also struggling. Forcing to make life make sense out of all the ups and downs of life. And still somehow attempting to lead his fellow life strugglers. The Bible says, and the former things will be passed away. Pain, sorrow, and crying, and death. Even when you marry, you are preparing for these four things. For pain. Anybody who has married will have pain. You are preparing to cry. Anybody who has been married for some time who has cried before. How many married people have cried before? Lift your hand if you have cried before. Crying. Anybody, he said, sorrow anybody who has married before has been sad very sad before raise your hand if you have been sad before raise your hand Bible said the former former things were passed away in the new jerusalem these four things pain sorrow crying and the last one is death 
the kind of sorrow you will have when your spouse dies. You see, you will never have that sorrow if you even break up with your spouse now before you marry the person. But once you marry the person, you are laying foundation for a type of sorrow that you haven't seen one before. Yeah. I tell you, Uko, because one of you will die first. <laughs> you will either attend her funeral or she will attend your funeral. And you either stand and say, This is my husband. <laughs> Guidance man. <laughs> Guidance man. Look, one, one lady, she, her husband died. And she said, After her husband died, she said, Even if he was here, to be shouting on me, insulting me, saying this, it will be better than my situation now. Forgive man. So these four things are yours. You'll be going through them, preparing for them, experiencing them. And still you'll be preaching. I came tonight to tell you. God has an answer to every situation. Tonight is your night. God is making a way where there's no. Lift your hand and receive your miracle. Everything is changing tonight. Everything has an end. Tonight is the end of those things. Meanwhile, you are also shaking in your body. <laughs> and a pastor, a shepherd, is not a messenger of his feelings. It's not a messenger of what he is going through. He's a messenger of God and of God's word, what God is saying. And you have to just stick to what God is saying. If you don't know what to say, read scriptures to the church until you are finished reading. A shepherd is somebody who says, I can rise. I'm struggling, but I'll preach. I'm weak, but I'll preach. I'm suffering, but I'll preach. I'm down, but I'll preach. I'm crying too, but I'll preach. A preacher is somebody who wipes his tears and comes to preach. After church, you go and continue crying. Sometimes when you are an experienced preacher, you like, it, you like preaching because it makes you stop crying for some time. Because during the preaching, you can't cry. And after church, you go and continue crying. <laughs> That's why some of you should become shepherd. It will help your tears to be fewer. At least during the preaching, the depression will go. Even sickness goes during preaching, after preaching. Even running stomach is put on suspension during preaching, after preaching, then it will come. <laughs> Even running stomach, after the preaching, then you see that. Jesus. <laughs> you need guidance to the nearest mobile shop. Hallelujah. Now, there are three levels of this shepherding anointing that I want you to catch. Number one, initiation anointing and preparation anointing. Initiation and preparation anointing. Are you there? Now, the initiation and preparation anointing is the first anointing and first drop of anointing that comes upon your life. And that anointing is not intended to make you actually start the ministry, your real ministry, but it's intended to start up and it's intended to prepare you. And so you must know that to start any kind of ministry, you need an initial anointing how many feel you've been anointed before no how many have been in church many times hands have been laid on you anointings have been done the prayers have been made you understand are you there and you can sense that i mean at least you, you should, i mean you must have had some kind of anointing or something whatever it is attached before are you listening to me yeah then we all also now what think some people now become deceived and start going off to the deep end and say the lord has called me to certain terms and i'm just moving into my higher calling first samuel chapter 16 verse 3 verse 1 and the lord said unto samuel how long 
will thou mourn for Saul? David had these three levels. He was the shepherd of Israel. As a shepherd feeds us, and he blesses us, and a father feeds us. David was the sweet psalmist and shepherd of the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse, and to Bethlehem, for I have provided me a king among his sons. God has provided for himself his own leaders. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee, Amen, what thou must do. Amen. Verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come, he looked on Elab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord, are you there? But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh not on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. Amen. Amen. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen him. Are you there? Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, I hear all thy children. And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said, Go and fetch him. Hallelujah. We will not sit down. And he sent and brought him. And now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Amen. This is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Amen. Amen. Now, what happens after that? Listen. When you are anointed initially, like many of us have been anointed initially, you don't have a ministry. You don't have anything. Amen. You don't have anything. You see, you must learn to distinguish between momentum that you are enjoying, the moving ministry that you are just a part of, and training experiences that you are given, and opportunities that you have to do anything. From this moment, we began to hear of David. And what was David asked to do after that? In the next few verses, there was a problem with Saul, and Saul sent for David to come and play music. There's a great difference between playing music for a madman and being a king. Amen. There's a great difference between playing music for a madman when his madness comes and being a king. Meanwhile, he had been anointed. And you may ask yourself, is this what anointing does? Yes, this is what anointing does. Anointing initiates you and starts you on a road which most people never finish and they never even get to the place where they will be anointed the second time. Because there are many things. When David went to play the harp, one day the mental sickness came and there was no lagartil to inject Saul. So he started throwing javelins, spears at anybody and David was the one who had been appointed to play music. And he started throwing javelin at the guy to kill him. David could have run away. I said, they are killing me. It's a very dangerous work. Very, very dangerous job that I've been given. And you see, he was there to learn how to be a king. And if he had despised, because you see, what, what I want us to mostly think is that I don't know and I don't have. When you, when you think that way, I don't know and I don't have, then God can feel I don't know and he can feel I don't have. But where it's like, I have. That's why sometimes I don't want to deceive you with the titles. You are reverend. You are pastor. So, and most of the time, when people are appointed as pastors, that's when they stop learning. As soon as you are appointed as pastors, they change. That's what I've noticed amongst us. As soon as you are appointed as a pastor, you change. You are no more ready to learn anything new. So often, you find me moving with people who are not yet appointed as pastors. 
Because they listen to me and they, they want to hear what I have to say. But it's like these people, they are big people, they are appointed, they are reverend, they are this, they are that. They are not interested. If, if people are gathering around me and I'm talking, they just walk off and go away. Because they are not interested. It's not, it's not of no consequence to them. But what people don't realize that we don't, you don't even have, David, you don't have Obenoko, you have nothing. You are just enjoying the kingship. You see, that's the thing. When you are in the king's house, you can easily think you are the king. You are not the king. You are just where the kings are. You are just around where kings are, but you are not a king. You are yet to become a king one day. Sometimes you are around pastors, but you are not a pastor. Or you are around shepherds, but you have not a drop of shepherdorial abilities on you. Or sometimes you are in the church and you have whatever, but you are not yet. You are in the vicinity. You are close by. You have started to live, but you are not. You are not. You are not. I said you are not. And when you think I am not, that's when you start to be open to become. Then he had to go and fight with Goliath. This is chapter 60. Chapter 70, he went to fight with Goliath. Another dangerous work. Sometimes when you are being trained, that is when you have to do dangerous things. That is when you have to do risky things that sometimes the older people don't do. Because they couldn't send Saul to go and fight. Because should they have killed Saul by mistake, that would have been the end of Israel. So a younger person has to do certain things. And sometimes in the ministry, it's younger people who have to do certain things. Sometimes the younger people who have to be missionaries. Or the younger people who have to do certain jobs. Or younger people who have to do certain all nights and pray in a certain way. Younger people have to do certain risky and dangerous things. But you find out that when you are initiated, then somebody is now, you are now shying away from those things. And as you shy away from it, you are actually shying away from your training. The next thing you find in this first level of anointing is that you get a chance to prove yourself. To prove whether you are somebody or not. That is the chance you have to prove yourself. God gives you a chance to prove yourself whether you are called or not. You see, when, I'll give you an example. When I take my little young man from um, UST, Andy, he was one of the very first missionaries, or Chris, either of them. When I sent Andy to Swaziland, you understand, he had already been an elder at the university. And under his eldership, the church had worked. But, you see, it was when, after he finished, I, even though I was sending him or sending them, I still know that this person is nothing. Because Lighthouse Chapel exists on campus. You are not the one who's coming to start it. It's there already. You are just enjoying something that has been there already. You are enjoying the members from the different branches, the souls that have been brought, the gathering, and the authority which has been imparted to you. Which are, so many of the elders, when they finish their campus church, they are surprised when they come into real life and they realize that they are nothing. Because they are deluded on campus. Deluded by authority which is nothing. Deluded by post, which is nothing. Deluded by the moving ship and the momentum of the ministry, which is really, you are just enjoying something, but you are actually nothing. But when you have a drop of the anointing, then you begin, they will be giving you an opportunity to prove whether you really are something. And that is what happened when he was sent to go and fight with Goliath. After fighting with Goliath, it was clear to everybody that after from what Samuel said when he came to pour that oil, this guy is a real guy, apart from, apart from that appointment as a shepherd, apart from that ordination, apart from whatever, there is something real in this guy that is real. And he proved himself. And so when I send that little young man to Swaziland, today he has built one of the largest charismatic churches in Swaziland, one of the church working churches in Uganda. He's not proving. He's still the Goliath that he's fighting. He has stayed there, he has survived, been able to survive all the issues and the stresses and the problems that come for a missionary who is out there. And you are there. So you are now proving by fighting with Goliath and proving yourself. But you see, as at the time they finished university and they had big churches and we have started branches and so it's nothing. But you don't know that it's nothing. They are now going to even fight with Goliath and see. Most of us have nothing. But you see, the title has confused us. So, Someone anointed me last week. You have not heard, you see. You have not heard you see by all me dole dole i shall become uh, this uh, um, king i'm a king uh, anointed king this is my certificate of kingship uh, share my kingship ask somewhere anything you need you don't uh, this is understand ask somewhere then you meet the temptations that come at the first level temptations temptation to fight your father himself temptation to overtake quickly something 
temptation to criticize. There was nobody more qualified for criticism than Saul. There was no human being, no leader, more qualified and more easy to criticize than Saul himself. A man who kills pastors, he had killed all the priests. He killed several priests. A man who kills pastors. A man who consults witches. A man whose last night, it was appropriate that his last night was spent in a witch's house. He slept with a witch for his last deed on this earth. A man who was clearly possessed with demons. And yet, when David was constantly tempted with the chance to fight it, correct. You are coming to correct what? To rebuke, to correct, to change something that is not your duty to change. He never fell to that temptation. That is why Jesus Christ sits on the throne of David, not the throne of Abraham. Because the throne of David is the best example of how somebody came into authority by the right way. There is no other throne that was as established as David's throne. Even when he was a sick old man, nobody could kill him or take over. That's why Jesus Christ will see that's the ultimate example of how to come into a place of authority. Yes, yes. And throughout, you see, all of us, even if you don't get a chance to criticize me, I may not do something that you may get to criticize me, but you may have a chance to criticize some other pastor or some other man of God, your geo or your other pastor or something or anybody you see on television or whatever. Just shut up. They said, David, kill him. God has prophesied you shall be king. God has delivered him to us. This is not a deliverance from God. This is not how God does things. This is not the way God does it. I don't accept it. I won't kill him. Maybe he would die from a sickness. A lion will eat him. So he'll go to war. I will not be the one who will stretch my hand. Not me. So ladies and gentlemen, he now began to face the temptation. He was sent into the wilderness. And you know the people who followed him? All those who were in debt, criminals, and all bad. Is that how to become a king? Is that a kingship? Mulligans are given to you. Where you are given mulligans and you are given the lowest, I mean, kind of people to lead. Lead them unless if you can lead a thief, you can lead a rich man. Wow. He was tested. And so what is that whole anointing? For 40 years, what is the use of that anointing for, me, for my life? What is the use of that anointing for my life? What has it done for me? What has it done for me? Everything, just trials more difficulties testings strugglings different things huh that is it and so that's i said many of us we are holding tight we are just depending on what was said they said some every time they said do you know when i was appointed i'm 92 appointments <laughs> i'm 92 appointments i am 99 appointments and you are 2002 appointments i'm your senior i've been in the church for 17 years you have just come one year this is what i call the initiation and the preparation all these are the preparation they give you a work to do prove yourself kill goliath and let's see and when you kill goliath you may think you are the king you are still not the king <laughs> you are still not the king you are still not the king that's why sometimes you see people you've been able to start a church you've been able to do that you are still nothing you are still nothing because that is not how you become a king, by having one victory. That's why some people, they lay one hand on somebody, the person falls down. Ah, this is it. It has happened now. I'm there. You are where? You are not yet there. You are not yet there. You are still nothing. In this first level. And most of us are in the first level. Preparing, training, struggling, preparing, training, struggling, being tempted, struggling. And that's that small gift of oil. So many diversions. My book on uh, Davidic success, I don't know what it's called now, but that book can help you to see the things that David had to navigate through in order to get to the end of his calling and of this uh, 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 road. And I want you to be, you see the fact that you are a prayer warrior, it, uh, what does it mean? So I, I pray a lot. I have a vision. Yes, it's good. You just killed Goliath or You've just been a leader of debt collectors or de debtors and uh, uh, thieves and so on. That's all. God has his way of placing you in the high place of his calling. Second level of anointing for the shepherd. Second Samuel chapter 2. Second Samuel chapter 2. If we read from verse 1. And it came to pass that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go? And he said unto him, Hebron. And David went up hither and his two wives, Ainoam and Abigail. And his men that were with him did David bring up. 
every man with his brother, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they appointed David king over the house of um, they anointed, sorry, I said appointed. And there, verse 4, they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, that the men of Jabesh Gilead were they that buried Saul. And David sent messages unto the house and blessed them. Amen. Right. Now listen, the next level has come. He's now having authority over only one tribe, only Judah. One twelfth of the real calling has now manifested. And you have gone bonkers with the small authority that has been given to you. You've gone loose in your mind. How much God has prepared for us if only we were to be prepared to go through this. Can you immediately see how most people don't get to the second level of anointing? And even when they get to the second level of anointing, many people become happy and feel that this is the ministry. It could be that this ministry that God has given us up to now is a small fraction. It's one twelfth of the real thing. All the churches you see, all the things you see, all the that. It could be that it's very small. Maybe I have not even reached the, that level where I'm, anno uh, I'm anointed to oversee Ju Judah. Yeah. You know, look, Kenneth Hagin, he was in the ministry for years. Yes. In fact, getting to the end of his ministry, what I think was the end, was when the Lord was saying, was now you move into the second phase, the third, and they look like very short things. Because after the third anointing, you move into the fourth stage, as it were, of your ministry. So he was now having a little authority, a small church, small branch, small ministry. I don't know what it means to you. Maybe you can sing a little, but maybe one day you're going to sing on TBN, or you're going to sing somewhere. I don't know. Or maybe you're going to sing for the next Billy Graham. I don't know. Or a small song that you're able to sing. Now you have gone to join some group. You are going to make a CD. You won't stay in the church again. It's true. I'm going to make a CD now. You see somebody, a small revelation that you have. You are going to write a book. Do you know what it takes to write a book? I mean, I've met so many people. They don't have a ministry. They don't have anything. The Lord has told me to write a book. About what? About what? Because everybody is writing a book, you also want to write a book. And we have such grandiose ideas. Small breakthrough that you have. You have all sorts of delusion. I'm not going to start my own ministry. I'm going to do the, just a small authority that you have. Oh, man. Meanwhile, it's just a small fraction. I've seen people in this church just being appointed as pastors. Was what made them develop lunacy. One time we had a, some pastors, we were going to appoint them. When we told them, one of the guys, he came for a ministry meeting and he told the people, I'm going to be appointed as a pastor. Then he said, everybody say, pastor, so and so, God bless you. Then they all said, because he was known as brother X or brother Y. So instead, uh, so instead of saying, brother Y, he said, everybody say, pastor, so and so, we love you. And they all say, pastor, so and so, we love you. He could not even wait till Sunday. He could not even wait till the day that he'll be appointed. It was so much in him. Small and 12 of authority. Lunacy has taken over. Lunacy. How I wish sometimes people would take up the challenge. Who was it that I sent to start the uh, Kaswa church? Who went to start that church? Emmanuel. Emmanuel Mensa. Yeah. Today we had 100 and, 150 people came from Kaswa to visit us in church today. 150 people. Yeah. He's a painter in the church. When you started, God bless him. Sometimes we say, go and start something somewhere or in the market. Agbogboloji. You want to start Agbogboloji. You don't want to go. Go here. Go here. You don't want the preparation. You don't want when they are giving you Goliath. Go and kill Goliath. Me? I am not. Go and kill him. Everybody has a Goliath. Everybody has a Goliath. One day I was in my house when a certain pastor came there. He was talking about one of the great men of God in town. And he said, I told him that. He told, he said, he told me that there are two Goliaths. He was telling the senior pastor that there are two Goliaths in your church. And that one day, these Goliaths will rise up and take over the church. He was prophesying that those two guys were Goliaths. <laughs> so everybody has a Goliath. That's what I'm trying to say. What do you think? Huh? When they give you some small Goliath to go and go, eh, Bishop doesn't like me. That's why he has sent me away from the headquarters. Ooh. 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 Think about what David could have said all along when he was going. They don't like me. They want to confess. My father didn't like me. When they were doing appointments, they didn't call me. It was because of the grace of God that Samuel...
calls for me from the field. I've seen my father's attitude. Secondly, my brothers, when I was making some comments about the battle, look at what they said about me. I've seen that they don't like. Now this king, that he has seen my face, he was throwing javelin at me. He doesn't like me. Now he has got a chance to kill me without killing me himself. He has sent me to Goliath to go for Goliath to kill me. Do you see how we think? How we think? Many people, when I send them away, go and start. I'm sending them. He's Goliath. Go and kill one and come. When you come back, eh? Bible says, it's not he that is going, but he that has gone and has come and has removed his back. Then I start to have fellowship with you on a certain level. And I begin to know you understand certain things. I begin to talk with you in a certain way. And I know that, yeah, you've been through, you know, like Bishop Nick was, was talking to me one time. He said, look, it's not what, how many churches you've built. He was telling me, it's not how many churches you build. It's not how many branches you have. It's not how many things, how many members you have. It's what have you been through? What have you suffered? What have you survived? <laughs> That's what counts. That's what counts. Let me ask you, what counted for David? What have you survived? I've survived Goliath. What have you suffered? What have you suffered? What have you suffered? That's what matters. What have you been through? It's not how many you have done this, you have this, you have this, my father this, my this, this. What have you been through? What have you survived? He told me, he said, he's, what have you suffered? What have you been through? What have you survived? <laughs> you go to the university, UCC, you see them, tech. They call themselves Papa, an elder. In second year, he's called Papa. He's a Papa of the people. You are calling yourself Papa. A small authority that you've got now you are papa in the university papa of who you are now calling yourself papa <laughs> who have you brought forth now they call you papa in school you are in third year they are calling you papa hey! small authority that was given to you it has called lunacy lunacy you yourself, when they call you Papa, you should say, Brother, this word you are using on me, I am not qualified to be there. I have not brought forth anything. You are just enjoying momentum of somebody's great ministry. And you say, they call you Papa and you are receiving all. Oh. And you then, and then not only are they saying, but you are calling people, eh, my son, come and, eh, 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 what do you call it? Or you start to call, say, my daughter, come here, my daughter, this one of my daughters. Then you meet me somewhere and say, Bishop, this one of my daughters. Bishop, this is one of my sons. He's in first year, he's my son in the ministry. Your mouth like son, your mouth. Small anointing that has come upon you. Look at what you are doing. You said, my son, uh, the, the girl who is singing is my daughter. When did you bring forth somebody? Even Paul was calling the people my fellow workers, my co-workers. How often do you even hear me calling somebody a son or a daughter? Now you call, they call you Papa. So when I come to church and I see my sons and my daughters, your sons and your daughters. <laughs> Apache, come here. <laughs> you were on campus. <laughs> yes, please. You were on campus. Which campus? University of Cape Coast. Were they calling you Papa? No. But were they calling some people Papa? Yes, please. So who came to visit you? Um... Archbishop Nick came to campus and he came to Archbishop Duncan Williams. Duncan Williams. He came. Yeah. And after he had finished preaching, he called all the various campus leaders of he the churches. All the campus elders. Elders. What did he tell them? So when we came, um, I think somebody was also trying to call the other people. He said, Oh, Papa, Papa. <laughs> Bishop wants to pray for us. So, Papa, please come. He's calling another student Papa, that the Papa should come for the Archbishop to pray for them. And then the Archbishop heard it. Now some of you, they'll call you Papa, you respond. <laughs> How many children have come out of your lungs? Do you know who your Papa is? And some of you are moving in so much accolades and titles. That's why you don't amount to anything in the ministry. And some of you, you say you are men of God. Do you know who a man of God is? You may put a boy of God. Say, I'm a boy of God. <laughs> and 
Then you all responded, we are boys of God. <laughs> so he said to you, say, I'm a boy of God. Yeah, and we all responded, we are, we are boys of God. God. <laughs> then we knelt down and then he prayed for us. When, what did he pray for you? Father, I impart the wisdom of Ahitophel <laughs> and the spirit of humility. Come on, receive it. <laughs> and after we all enjoyed it, we were relieved. Okay, give the Lord a clap of rain. <laughs> Lift your hand and say, I'm a boy of God. Say, we are boys of God. Small anointing that you have. Eh? Papa, you are calling your sons in the school. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 3. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1. And all the tribes of Israel came to David, to Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. And in time past, when Saul was king over us, thou was he that led us out and brought us in in Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Finally, he was in the position of king over all Israel. Amen. Are you listening? Are you understanding? It's very, very important for you because you see here that you will come to that place, but many times we haven't got there, but we are struggling to get there. Stand to your feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. taking you into a place of authority into a place of ministry you shall come there for like a father he shall feed you and like a shepherd he shall bring you there but do not reject the day of small beginnings do not reject the preparation do not reject the day of Goliath in your life for it shall turn for your benefit and for your glory and it shall be proved that indeed the Lord has called you and that the Lord is with you truly blessed be the name of the Lord just thank him, thank him. 
just thank him. Let's thank him tonight. Everybody just open your mouth and thank him for tonight. And thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him tonight. Thank him tonight. Thank him tonight. Thank him tonight. Wherever you are standing, thank him tonight for for the presence and for his word and for instructions from heaven. Mando no, no movements around, please. Let's just pray and thank him tonight. Let's thank him tonight. Thank him tonight for where he's taking you. When he said, please, Lord, hold my hand and take me to the place. Hold my hand and take for every level, Lord, you're taking me. I'm ready to go on. I'm ready to move higher. I'm ready to move to the next level. Oh, God, take me on. Thank him, thank him. Lift your hands to him and thank him right now. Thank him. Monde sitandoro lobo shibani. Limbro na katora. Sibra da vande. Kibrondi. Raba baba. Lokadi sika atotedi. Zima itakundi kasita. Malubre kafumbli hitandi. Myondiriando. Rabe katombre kifata. Libo katandimo. Sibandi. Mrondi kibota. Kabra kataya. Mahalibo. Zibaika. Mahaita kandoro. Zebra kataya. Mahalibo. May I not refuse the challenge to fight the Goliath. May I not you the challenge to find the Goliath. Makoti Kimo Sitaya, Mahino Ramo, Zibrandi, Ramaloni, Vitombre Cafondi, Ilimo, Kabaita Tende, Zibata, Limo Kabaita Kundi Zibata. Malika tosiki fakata ya nirimo sibra deve rakata tarimo sibra na irandi kitonde remoshkibra kafande ilima kota kima zamoni fita na rakete izato reika frati randuros kibra katundi halima tani kataya limolo la bosi mandiri anda rakotoro no shibra nefende lima katundi rima mahai kapaita tande rakata lusa katuroke skibra kap mahito kandi kaska malonde remoshkibra Take us on a God. Take us on a God. He humility your God. Take us on. Take us to the next level. Take us to the next level. I'm ready for that anointing. I'm ready to receive that anointing, oh God. Teach me how to conduct myself even in this level, oh God. Mahaita. Limo. Simande. Kimonde. Ilina Torika Baya, Iboli Fata, Mahai Katataya, Malora Rabaskibra Kataya, Mahai Takaya, Leba Babe, Yababe, Ilora Bakatoye, Ilimorano, Sibra Kafande, Ramamama, Rabababe, Tarande, Ilo Kabaya, Torikataya, Larimo Sibande, Ilena Kitondeanda, Rababa, Lorain Kimonde. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, in the keto, labata, laleta, late, iloka paita tonde, kibranda, rakotakalo, sibandi, hey, mahaita kando, zimokato frekitai. Thank you, Father. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.